What are kids really thinking and feeling? Sometimes it's hard to know. The thousands of letters and emails kids send to Highlights Magazine every year help us keep our finger on the pulse of kids. We think they can also help you. So each week on this podcast, we talk with friends and experts about the things kids share with us and about making a world that honors children's voices. Lean in and listen to learn what kids want their grown-ups to know about being a kid today. I'm Christine French-Cully, and you are listening to Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights, I have a problem with my temper up your at night, and I miss you all the I get keys I want your head. Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights. Here at Highlights, for many decades now, we've been answering letters from kids who are trying to ride the disorienting ups and downs of changing family structures due to their parents divorcing, separating, or remarrying. This may be a particularly relevant topic in this moment, as some states are reporting an uptick in divorce filings due to the added stress put on relationships during the pandemic and the experience of quarantining. Parents are right to be concerned about the impact of their divorces on their children. Kids can take the news hard, and it's natural and very common for them to feel pain, confusion, stress, and anxiety during the transition. Let's begin this episode by listening to what some kids themselves have told us. Dear Highlights, my parents divorced three years ago and my dad remarried. My stepmom lives in Canada. My dad is moving to Canada, and I'll only get to see him on holidays. I'm going through an emotional roller coaster. I keep yelling at people for no good reason. Dear Highlights, my parents are divorced. I have to go back and forth. Plus, it puts a lot of stress on a kid. How do I keep myself calm? And a young reader named Sophie shared a very moving poem she wrote about some of the big feelings divorce creates in children. She titled it simply, Divorce. You pray they come back, but they never come back. You cry and cry because of fighting. You're scared. You cry and cry for the person you love to come back. And now your family is split up and can never be a family again. Soon you have a stepdad or a stepmom. Your family is split up. What can you do? Nothing to do. Sadness is near you. Dad visits once a year or once a month, and when he visits, you hear screaming. This will scare you for life. Divorce hurts. My expert guest today is Dr. Joanne Pedro Carroll, a mother of seven children and stepchildren, a clinical psychologist, speaker, and author of the popular book, Putting Children First, Proven Parenting Strategies for Helping Children Through Divorce. Her great passion is helping children and families survive and thrive in the wake of the big transitions that accompany and follow separation, divorce, and remarriage. Welcome, Dr. Pedro Carroll. Thank you, Christine. I'm really happy to be here with you to address such an important topic. And as I listened to those letters from children, You know, I'm always, always so struck by their courage, and they inspire me with their ability to to really tell it like it is when it comes to all of those big feelings that, that they shared. And that's one of the main reasons why I applaud so much of what your you and highlights are doing with this podcast, because 
divorce does pose a lot of stressful changes for children. But those long-term problems we hear about all too often aren't inevitable. They don't have to happen. And one of the messages I really hope uh, we can convey today is all the things parents can be doing to help their children not only survive family changes, but really thrive with resilience. That is what we hope to do today with this episode. We often talk about helping children survive a divorce as if that's the best we can hope for. But you really believe that children can not only survive, but thrive. So what are the most important things parents can do to help facilitate this? Such a key question. And, you know, I I think we have volumes of good research behind us in this topic. And, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons I wrote the book, Putting Children First, because I had seen, uh, you know, it can go in different ways. There's a lot of diversity in how children do over time. And a lot has to do with how parents go about ending their marriage and the kind of the quality of life they put in place for their children over time. So I think a number of things are really important to highlight. One is, as your impressive children expressed, they have a whole range of very big emotions about the changes in their families. And so it is important for parents to really listen, to be tuned in, to keep communication open. I've always liked the idea of maximizing what I call car time. You know, when uh, you're driving to an activity or something, it's really an an opportunity to check in um, with kids and, and really listen to how they might be feeling. Beyond that, of course, that's an ongoing process, right? In any any of our relationships, uh, good communication. Beyond that, there's the two most powerful predictors of how children do over time have to do with the extent to which parents can contain their conflict, keep their children out of the middle of that conflict, which is like a toxin when children are put in the middle of of parents who are really um, unable to resolve their differences. And it has a huge, powerful impact on children's physical health as well as their emotional health. So containing conflict is a, a big one. And being able to adopt a relationship between parents of maybe more like colleagues or business partners in the important business of raising healthy children. Another really important um, factor shown in the research over volumes of studies is quality of parenting. And by that, what's meant is I I call it uh, two pillars of effective parenting, that love, affection, connection, communication, but also still setting limits, having expectations for positive behavior and children's success, and having a lot of stability in family life and not introducing a new partner too quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, The kids who wrote in touched on all these topics. Their wisdom is, is impressive. They know 
what the deal is and how it, it affects them. They do know. Yeah. Well, you um, raised a lot of good points, which we will dig into um, a little more in a few minutes. But a lot of parents seem to put their focus on how to deliver the news that they're divorcing to their children. Do you have any advice for that a moment? And can you also tell us how important it is or how important it is not to tell kids what comes next? Yeah, that's another really great question. And, you know, I think about how parents prepare children for the changes that are coming as laying the foundation often for how secure kids end up feeling or how scared and worried. Um, And so, first of all, preparing children and Um, talking about family changes is not a one-time conversation, right? It's a process over time. And I I think it's important to think about it as telling them about what will change, but also the things that will not change, what's going to stay the same. And ideally, um, it helps if both parents can sit down together prepare in advance for how they want to address things with with their kids. And it should really be based on the ages. Um, For young children, it should be a pretty simple um, description of what's going to be happening. And I, I like to describe it as tell children without telling on the other parent, right? They don't want to hear about a parent's infidelity. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to have their parent bad-mouthed, period. Um, That has a a huge impact. But let's really think about kind of a way of ideally communicating with children about a divorce that that may be a few weeks away. I devote a Um, an entire chapter in my book to this based on children's ages. So for example, both parents sitting down together, um, physically, you know, kind of bookending children so you can put your arm around them and have a hug when needed. And of course, being able to share things that, that will be changing framing it as um, we have grown-up problems, not any that you caused, because particularly for young children, there are often um, worries that somehow they caused the difficulties. The number of children in my 40 years working with families, the number of times I've heard them say things like, I'm afraid it was because of me that I caused the divorce. I could hear them fight about having fights and I could hear my name come up when they were arguing. It's a terrible burden for a child to feel like either somehow they caused it, even out of a fantasy. Uh, One child told me, well, I used to wish that my best friend and I were sisters. So sometimes I secretly wished that my parents would get a divorce and mom would marry her dad so so we could be sisters. It's a very innocent thought, but for that child became quite a burden of responsibility. So helpful for parents to recognize that there are a lot of misconceptions children can have uh, 
and sometimes fears of abandonment. They may worry that if the marital bond could end, what's the guarantee they're going to continue to love me? So I always encourage parents in that early conversation with children to emphasize one of the things mom and dad most agree on is the kind of love we have for you is the kind that's never going to end, never going to change. And one of the best parts of our being married is we got to have you. Mm. Um, I think it's important to tell them about to the extent possible, what will be changing, but also what's going to stay the same. If it's going to be same school, um, same activities, that's a really important message. Mm -hmm. I'm currently working on a book for children called A Forever Kind of Love, because I think that's an important message for parents to be giving their children in that first conversation. That's not going to change. Always and forever, your mom and dad. Thank you. There are so many really good specific details in that answer that would be helpful. Back a little bit to uh, constraining conflict. You know, there are a lot of reasons why couples choose to end a marriage, but some parents uh, in part might be separating because of differences in parenting philosophies, which might make it more difficult going forward to contain the conflict. In these cases, what can grown-ups do to change the way they're relating to each other in order to establish a new co-parenting system in which kids are at the center? Yeah, yeah, you're asking great questions. Um, That's a really critical point because we know that what children want most is to have hopefully, both loving parents in their life and not be in in constant conflict with each other. And of course, there are going to be differences that parents have about raising children. That's true even if in marriages where they stay together. So I often recommend, and again, um, I have a couple chapters in my book that focus on this, how important it is to renegotiate your relationship as parents from former lovers, partners, spouses, to that of colleagues in the important business of raising children. And what I mean by that is to think about your child's other parent as a really important colleague. If you have a multi-million dollar business and you want it to thrive, And maybe your business partner is not someone you agree with. Maybe you don't think he or she has your best interest at heart. But if you want that business to thrive, you don't call up or text with a really nasty message saying, I've decided here's what we're doing with the business or um, get into too many personal details. Instead, the focus is on being clear about what problems are, uh, adopting a collaborative problem-solving approach. And so I often recommend to parents maybe even have a brief parenting business meeting, even a phone call uh, once a week. It can be very brief, but very child-focused 
right? Here are things, sharing information. Um, here are things that are coming up. I'm concerned about Jason's math. Uh, what can we do? Let's put our heads together to help him through it. Um, adopting um, some of those approaches for handling conflict can really go a long way. Yeah, thank you. You also suggest that families give children, and this is a quote, a voice in the parenting plan without the burden of choice. Can you share more about what that looks like? Yes, and um, what I mean by that is give them a voice in what's happening, and but without the burden burdening them with having to choose between their parents. So, for example, uh, I'm often... Uh, called in as a child specialist in the collaborative law process or mediation. And one of the things I do is meet with children to talk about um, their thoughts and feelings about what's happening in their families, or to encourage parents to take a look at different schedules, maybe two options, and be able to say to their kids, you know, we're thinking about this plan, maybe even for the holidays, Halloween is coming. Um, how would you like, what would you like to do? I know we're in two different neighborhoods now. Giving children a choice about some aspects of their life without saying, all right, you have to choose between me or dad. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the difference can, can really be very powerful. Uh, children have so many changes um, that they didn't get a vote on that they're often expected to take in stride. And that's why I um, often encourage parents to think about, well, where are some, some space or some places in their life where they can have some choice? Mm -hmm. I can see that really coming into play. Um, when kids' living arrangements are changing. I mean, we get a lot of letters from kids who are who say they don't like having two homes now when they used to have just one. What can parents do to help kids feel at home in more than one home? Yeah, that's a big one. I hear about that all the time. And, you know, the, the yearning to just have one home and everybody in the same place is really powerful. And, and again, I think it's so important to listen to those feelings um, and give children an opportunity to, to express it because there's, there's a grieving process uh, that can go along with that. Feelings of, of loss, you know, I miss my other house or I miss that neighborhood or I miss waking up and having both parents at the breakfast table. Or it's a hassle going back and forth. What if I forget my stuff? So I, th I think, first of all, listening, really actively listening to the feelings they have about it. But then again, maybe joining with, with the child to do some problem solving. I get it. That's a tough one. What can we do to help it be less of a hassle for you? And maybe it's things like, again, giving choices. How would you like to fix up your room so that it's just your special place at the new house? 
I mean, within reason, <laughs> um, you know, encouraging them to choose maybe the new comforter or putting up posters that that really help it feel more cozy. Um, talking with them again, brainstorming, what can we do to make this easier? Uh, products at both homes, a reasonable, you know, clothing at both homes so that they don't have to worry about um, forgetting some, some key things. And sometimes it's as, it can be as simple as, I, I have an idea, let's put a post-it, a big list of things to remember right here at the door so we can have a checklist. And by the way, if parents can let kids know, and if you forget something super important, like that major homework you spent nights on, we'll figure out a way to solve that problem. It's normal for kids to feel sad, angry, numb, or maybe even relieved when their family is undergoing a major change. And usually this is not an indication of a long-term problem, except when it is. <laughs> What indicators should parents watch for to help them know if a child who's struggling needs to access professional support or, you know, if the parent needs to change something and how they're co-parenting? Yeah, thank you for asking that. First of all, because all of those, those feelings certainly are normal. In fact, one of the biggest reactions. I think of children universally. I even experienced this when I'm working with children in other countries. The biggest worry is what's going to happen to me? You know, those worries about what's going to happen to me and my family. So knowing that, you know, anger, sadness, uh, anxiety, there are certainly increases in, in anxiety and children and youth in, in this country, divorced parents are not. Um, and knowing that, that some of those feelings are normal. However, when it, it, it persists for, I would say, a few months without resolving, and when there are really marked changes in behavior, loss of interest in things they used to love and enjoy, changes in maybe a peer group, loss of interest in school, for instance, um, physical symptoms, increases in headaches, stomach aches, often that's a, a sign of keeping a lot of feelings in, a lot of anxiety. And there's a lot that children feel but seldom say. So I think um, those become warning signs. And, you know, I, I really need to emphasize this. Getting help, professional help when we need it, is a sign of strength. It's certainly not a sign that something is terribly wrong or weakness, but rather, oh, I'm off. I'm not as doing as well as I know I could be or as I used to be. I'm a huge advocate of preventive, <laughs> preventive interventions, which is why I love that you're doing this, this topic for highlights, but reaching out and uh, getting children the support that they need is a really important, important support. At Highlights, our core belief is that children are the world's most important people. 
and every new product and new experience we begin always starts with that question. If we really believed that as a society, what would we do differently? Great question. First of all, recognize the need for tuning in to children. I think there are so many kids who end up feeling a little lost, invisible, not connected, uh, particularly with the whole overlay of COVID. That's a whole other topic. And I think one of the reasons um, we've seen such an increase in anxiety and, and depression among children. And, you know, I, I think we need to be recognizing the need for universal health care and good quality mental health care for children. It should not be so difficult to access. I also believe that, um, you know, we have too many children witnessing violence in our country and not enough working together. And I think it's so important that, um, that we be connecting with kids of all ages, you know, with a message of tough times are in inevitable in life. We all have them. But there's hope and we can work together to make things better. And, you know, I love working with children. It's my great passion and I do a lot of support groups with children. And I'm so, again, always amazed at their courage and inspired by um, the words that they share. And I just like to share, they create newsletters for and give advice to other kids and for parents. May I share some of their advice? Please. Words of wisdom from children. For parents, they say, don't give us everything we want just to get us to like you more than our other parent. Be honest with us. Tell us if you're getting a divorce, but please spare us the gory details. Let us know it's okay to love both of you. Don't make us choose between you. Spend time with us. Ask us about how we feel about all the stuff that's happening in our family. We may act like it's no big deal, but we need a chance to talk to you. Let us know that you love us, even if we act like we already know. Tell us again and tell us what we do well sometimes, not just what we're doing wrong. And for other kids, they say, just remember it's not your fault that your parents are splitting up. Find someone you can trust to talk to. Sometimes you just need to let it all out. And remember that there are some things like your parents' divorce that you cannot change. Spend your time instead on things you can change and things that make you happy. Remember that there are some good things about divorce too. There's an opportunity for more peace and more people to love you. <laughs> wow, that's amazing that there's a wealth of uh, good counsel in those comments. Uh, we always learn something when we lean in and listen to kids. We have a lot of work to do to make this world worthy of our children. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Pedro Carroll, for uh, talking with us today. It was wonderful. Thank you. It was really my pleasure. And I applaud you at Highlights 
for addressing this important topic. Thank you. We are honored to be able to elevate kids' voices and imagine a world where grown-ups take seriously kids' concerns and act on them. Whether a child's concern is big or small, unique or universal, serious or sure to work itself out, it's real to the child and matters deeply. We've come to see that in every letter kids have sent to us over the years, there are implicit, overarching questions embedded within. Do you care? Am I loved? Do I have a place in the world, a place in the lives of the people I love? We hope kids believe us when we say in many more words, yes, yes, yes. Let's all lean in to give kids what they really need and want, more listening, more understanding, and more connecting. This podcast is an extension of the book, Dear Highlights, What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids, available now wherever books are sold. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and please leave a review to help us reach more grown-ups who care about kids. Special thanks to the producer of this podcast, Hilary Bates, and also to our audio engineer, Ted Weckbacher. <laughs>